Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. If you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rate us and leave comments. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for providing our intro music, Diamond Way, from the album We Are the Champions. And thanks to Jason Saita, who cuts together all of our episodes. In this week's issue of The Scene, we explore the impending mayoral election in several parts. We look at the race's best-known candidates, examine those who are vying for Nashville's conservative vote, explore prominent local figures who are conspicuously absent from the ballot, and more. On this week's SceneCast, I sit down with staffers Stephen Hale and Stephen Elliott and contributor Steve Cavendish to talk about the mayoral candidates, and we even take a little quiz to see if we can ID all 13 of them. Okay, I am here with the Steve Trust, Steve Cavendish, contributor, uh, Stephen Elliott, also a uh, scene staffer and post staffer, and Stephen Hale, scene staffer. Um, and we're going to talk about this week's cover story on the mayoral race. I want to lead off with Hale, your piece uh, that yes. you did on uh, what we called uh, the name brands, sort of the most, the three most well-known candidates, um, the f- sort of familiarity as an asset to them and also a potential liability. As right. Point. So there are three... Um Actually, they're the only three. They have a quite a bit in common. They're the three candidates who are elected officials currently, who have been in politics for a while, and who, uh, for whom politics is sort of a family enterprise. Um, David Briley, Erica Gilmore, and Harold Love Jr. David Briley's grandfather, of course, was the first mayor of Metro. Um, Harold Love Jr.'s father was a city council member and a state rep, and. Erica Gilmore's mother is a state rep, and she's running for state senator. So they're all very well known. Erica Gilmore's been on the council for about 10 years now, um, first as a district representative and now as an at-large member. Harold Love's been in the state house for six years, I think. And David Briley, of course, uh, was vice mayor and has become mayor after Megan Berry's resignation. And the interesting thing is that, you know, in a sort of more normal election, you might think of these people as sort of the three front runners or the three people who, you know, they're best known. And so it's it's between the three of them. But the way this race shakes out, it doesn't really look like that's the way because, you know, all three of these folks are, are Democrats, even though this is a it's a nonpartisan race. But they're they're Democrats or, or progressives or what have you, um, probably sharing overlapping bases of support and. But the way it the way it works is you've got to you've got basically you either got to get 50 percent plus one of the vote or you've got to be in the top two. And um, I think it's fair to say that the conventional wisdom is that it'll be hard for two people from this trio of people to to make a runoff. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, The other thing I talk about in the story is that coming off the transit vote, which was a pretty big rejection of a kind of. um, you know, a plan proposed by sort of the metro establishment that there's a sense in which being very well known and having a longer career in politics isn't necessarily a great thing. I mean, everyone else run, that's jumped in this quick mayor's race is uh, sort of more of an outsider. And so it'll be interesting to see how that affects it. Um, I don't know if the other Steves have any thoughts on this matter. But well, in addition to the the liberal and conservative distinction you just brought up uh the transit vote is an interesting um thing that separates the candidates in the race because in the trio that that hale wrote about 
David Briley, the current mayor, is the only one who supported the the transit vote. Which in the end, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I mean, Erica Gilmore had actually spoken in favor of the. Uh, in, it was like a representative supporting the transit plan. Right. She was ba- a co- she was a co sponsor of the the council bill that put put yeah. the plan on the ballot back in February, and then very conspicuously flipped. I think I think it was on a on a chamber trip to Seattle, mm-hmm. ironically, where they were doing some transit issues that she decided she was going to A, run for mayor, and B, come out against the transit plan. And I think what you saw in all these candidates was looking for oxygen kind of away from from Briley, who was who was the, the kind of the transit standard bearer. Uh, they, all, they all said, no, no, we're going to be against this plan for various reasons. I mean, some of them said, you know, we need, to, we need a big plan and we need to do something, or I, I would tweak this plan, or, or there were, you know, the others, uh, you know, Swain and others who were just kind of like out and out against it. Love is different in that regard, though, because his criticisms of the plan pretty much stayed consistent from when it was introduced in October, well before there was any sign of trouble with Megan Berry. Um, he had the same sort of criticisms of the plan and how it was to be funded that he that he had later on when, when he was already a candidate for mayor and he announced that he yeah. was not supporting it. Yeah. The interesting thing about Gilmore's position is that um, and I think you're right that there there are political calculations in all of these cases. I mean, people knew that they had to try to raise money. They knew that they had to differentiate themselves from Briley. But Gilmore, even at the time when she announced that she was withdrawing her support for the plan, she said, you know, I've been going around town. I've been talking to people. It's a thing that sounds cliche in the moment. She says, you know, I've been speaking to the folks and they they don't like it. And so I can't support it, which on the one hand is what you presumably want your elected representatives to do on the other hand sounds pretty opportunistic in a, in the middle of a campaign but after the transit plan you know went down in flames you know two to one she you know in a way she was sort of indicated of saying the people were telling me they were not happy with this plan i think it, it remains to be seen whether any of them get a huge boost from that having happened right. or if it's sort of diffused because so many candidates were opposing the plan. I mean, we're, we'll talk about Jeff Obafami Carr in a little bit, but there are other candidates who are just as well known for the opposition to the plan. So it's not clear that that all will redound to one candidate's benefit, but right. it's still interesting. And we don't know if this electorate's going to be this on May 24th is going to be the same as the electorate on May 1st. Uh, it's a very strange situation we find ourselves in where we have two elections in yeah, the it might same even month. Be like, it might even be half the size. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, our... our uh, Early voting numbers are pretty... Pretty low. Yeah, yeah. They're they've been very low. They've picked up a little since early voting has expanded. But we have every reason to believe it's going to be a very low turnout election. So, and, and that and that's sort that's sort of what makes this really interesting is that I mean this is a this is a get your people to the polls kind of vote. I mean if you're a candidate and and we talk we can talk about this when I was when we talk about uh, like Ralph Bristol here in a second. But I mean there's there's candidates out there who have said I've got my X thousand people. If I just get them to the, if I just get them to the polls, I can make the runoff, mm-hmm. and then and then that's where we'll we'll kind of draw distinctions about about kind of the future of the city and kind of what they think. And that do. is what makes someone like Erica Gilmore interesting to me. Again, I, I mean, I'm prepared to eat like all the words I say on this podcast uh, in a few <laughs> weeks, but. Uh, you know, when she ran for at large um, a couple years ago, she was initially the I think the top vote getter, and then when it went to the runoff, she was I think second 
am I right about that, to John Cooper. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people have voted for Erica Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of African-American voters, a lot of just voters generally. And, you know, she has gotten a lot of votes in the past. I don't know if that's enough for her yeah. to be second or if that – but, I mean, th- the same goes for Briley, of course. The same goes for Harold Love. These are These are candidates who do have, like, bases of support that they could probably mobilize. It just – there's so many candidates and how many of them. With Gilmore, it's really interesting too because this gets to the whole is a is a person who is a metro at large council person, and they they win ostensibly a countywide a, a countywide election to, to, to be on the council. Does that how much does that mean? Because yeah, it's because hard to say. you're voting for you're voting for multiple candidates. Right. Uh, yeah. You don't know if you're you know was she. It, and this applies for any at-large person, to your point, when much was, there was always much made, and I wrote this in stories about Megan Barry, we'd always note, you know, she was the top vote getter in two elections as an at-large council member. But your your point's well taken. She could have been fifth on someone's list. You vote for five at-large candidates. You don't know if you're like, every vote you get is, this is my favorite candidate, or it's like, well, I got to pick one more. I mean, you just don't know how to read those. Yeah, it's a tricky numbers. metric to try to use to yeah <clears throat> extrapolate for a Merrill. Well, you said something, Steve, about... Motiva- motivating those voters, and, and uh, you brought up Bristol, and that's another piece that we ran in the cover package was you on sort of those people who are vying for the conservative vote, uh, the two obvious, you know, people there being Carol Swain and Ralph Bristol. Yeah, so so Carol Swain is a retired Vanderbilt professor. Uh, it was written, I don't, I think charitably, a, a lot of controversial uh, op-eds in the past. Uh, she's been... She's she's been called Islamophobic or homophobic or kind of whatever else. She would dispute those, um, particularly the homophobic part. Um, uh, Ralph Bristol was kind of the go-to guy uh, on 99.7 for de- a couple of decades. He was he was the guy who was kind of kind of beating the uh, beating the drum for particularly some candidates like like Joe Carr when 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 Carr ran against Alexander a couple of years ago, you know. Uh, Carr could always find airtime on, on on Bristol's show, even when he wasn't necessarily finding traction, kind of kind of elsewhere. Um, but but he's he's been a, he's been, and I think he would say unfairly labeled conservative. Uh, Ralph's le- leanings are probably more libertarian than anything else. Um, and so it was interesting because I talked to I, I talked to Bristol before. And Swain, after last week, this uh, Fox 17 um, uh, mayoral forum at which at which Bristol seemed to not rule out racial profiling uh, on behalf of Metro Police. And it was it was interesting to hear to like to like see the video of it happening, because so he says, well, sure, you know, you know, this is something that maybe the cops need to do from time to time. He said, I wouldn't rule out. Uh, racial profiling, and there are like audible gasps in the audience. It was like a mostly African American audience, uh, and there was. I mean, I think somebody said, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Like, so the woman, uh, it seemed to be the woman filming it. You know, you could hear her say, "Like, did he just say that?" Or yeah. like, oh, it was it was quite a moment. And and, <coughs> and it's interesting. Like, if you talk to Bristol, I mean, Bristol's Bristol's a. I mean, Bristol's an interesting guy. Uh, has like one of I, I suggest you listen to him. He has like one of the great voices uh, on radio here in town. Uh, it, that super deep, gravelly kind of thing. Um, you know, 
Bristol Bristol is almost viewing this this thing as like a like a not like a thought experiment, but a but as like an exercise in transparency. He wants to run the mayor's office as like like literally like an open office. Like all my dealings will be open to the public. You can just come in and sit down and watch the mayor show every day. Uh, and and he was you know he was in his, when he's pitching it he's like hey this would be great for you the media because you know you could literally see the inner workings every single day uh, is that a practical way to for the for the mayor's office to do business I mean uh, you know there's probably some I mean every mayor before him but b- before now would probably say well there are certain things we have to we have to have like kind of closed door discussions about like economic development or kind of like sensitive you know, personal matters or whatever else. Um, so it's an interesting sort of idea. And, and the, the racial profiling thing fits very, very kind of square in that idea. And he's like, you know, bring me all ideas. We'll sort them all out and we'll pick the best ones. Uh, and that may be sort of kind of a naive way of looking at it. Um, you know, when you look at his racial profiling comment in that vein, it sort of makes sense of like, oh, well, you know, I, want, I don't want to rule anything out. Um, it, still, though, I mean, let's just say there are things we can rule out. Racial profiling by cops is, is <laughs> yes, one thing we can, we can, we can do right now. Yeah. So, so Carol Swain was the, other, was the other kind of on the right piece of that. Um, Swain is really interesting. It's always fun to kind of start an interview where, where she, she shakes your hand and says, hey, I believe in uh, – uh, you know, I believe in the First Amendment. I believe in the free press, in spite of the things that you've written about me. Uh, <laughs> the scene has not necessarily been very kind to Carol Swain over the years. Well, thanks for reading, Doctor Swain. Thanks for reading, Doctor Swain. We appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate your. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate your advanced guys uh, pulling all our clips. Uh, you, you know, I asked her very specifically about some of the some of the things that she said. Um, she had a. She got in the wake of the Charlie Hebdo attacks. Swain said something very interesting, which was that, that Muslims in America and Muslim organizations need, need, need greater monitoring. And so I kind of pushed her on that and asked her, hey, is this, you know, is this something that you would do as mayor? And her response was, oh, this is a federal sort of issue. I'm running to be mayor. This is a nonpartisan election. But, I mean, I think it's a fair question. And like kind of how – because we've seen this with ICE and uh, police departments around the country – like how much how much participation is gonna is there gonna be at the local level and kind of law enforcement in sort of carrying out this long federal kind of program? Um, Swain's you know Swain kind of kind of kind of hedged on whether or not that she would participate, but I mean, I mean she said some kind of very controversial things, and as mayor would be a chance to kind of put some of those things in action. And you know if if Metro cops were gonna be would they participate in a and in the monitoring of of uh, Muslim groups here in Nashville, when there's you know there's a heavy uh, there's a heavy um, Muslim community here in town. It's a, Nashville's a very diverse sort of place. I, it remains it remains to be seen. You know, Swain is not going to get the kind of that sort of scrutiny right now because it's a twelve it's a twelve person field, and this is something that we were talking about kind of amongst ourselves yesterday. Was you know. It, it, nobody's going to go negative on Carol Swain right now because Carol's because it doesn't do him any, any advantage. I mean, like for instance, Harold Love is not going to come out and say, "Carol Swain, you believe this, this, and this. That's wrong. You know, that's not Nashville," and, because it doesn't necessarily advantage him in a in a one on one race. It's a it, it's a really sort of 
it really sort of advantages someone to to point out the the faults of you know the negative pieces of your opponent's record. That's going to be the 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 big piece of this runoff thing, and which is why I was saying you know it's get your people to the to the polls. You can't really run a negative campaign against anyone right now because you don't necessarily get the benefit of it. Yeah. And I, you said this yesterday, Steve, but um, not that that narrows down who I'm talking to exactly. But <laughs> it's the Trump problem. Yeah, I mean. You know, we all watched in horror during the Republican presidential primary as they all seemed to be squabbling, but like Donald Trump, just nothing would stick to him. And it was like there kept being this calculation, which is the same one you're describing of people going, it's just not worth it to me to fight with Donald Trump right now when I can just try to stay, you know, in clean on a clean path. And that obviously failed. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's true that there's not a lot to be gained for people by. Get holding a press conference on why Carol Swain is a bad mayoral right. candidate right now. And that could have an interesting effect because, you know, there's a sense, I don't know how much stock to put in this sort of conventional wisdom, but that she's the natural second place candidate here well, I mean, if that you, gets into a runoff against David Briley. And, if we're you know, counting yard signs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And and there's a budding uh, sort of Parks and Rec style controversy there, too, because <laughs> apparently a lot of her yard signs are in the public right of way, which is not allowed. Um, and people have been talking about this and citing the me- the Metro Ordinance that allows citizens to remove yard signs that are in the public right away that on their own you know you can go out there and yeah yeah you you can go out there and sort of do a citizen patrol of yard signs citizen arrest of a yard sign yeah um the interesting thing about carol swain is that she is pretty well known nationally so she you know she's written tv analyst news and she's um you know rick santorum did an event with her i mean she you know uh these aren't people that get me all excited but they're they're well-known people on the right and they and she's gonna raise six figures here. yeah I and mean, there's a lot of a lot of that money's coming in david um uh uh i'm sorry not david uh lee beeman is right. is her what treasurer campaign chairman or whatever uh, it is i mean chairman because i think troy brewer's her chairman yeah i mean that's it's right. her finance guy right who's um brewer's the brewer's the money guy for a lot of republican right so area. i mean that you know she's gonna be well-funded um and we'll see what that means. But I mean, you know. it, she she and Bradley are probably the only people that are going to raise six figures here for this for this runoff. Um, and that and that was you know that that kind of gets to the gets to the business coalition and the chamber crowd had tried to clear the field here for Briley here uh, a couple months ago by saying, look, what we need in town is continuity. Uh, we're going to all kind of support Briley. And so, I mean, I think Briley's raised $400,000 or so, which is, which is ironic because if you, if you go back and you look at Briley's um, campaign from, from eight years ago, well, I guess, what are we, like 12 years ago, um, I mean, Briley was this outsider who had been like a very staunch environmental advocate on the, on the council, who frankly scared the shit out of a, a lot of people in the, in the chamber and was was one of he had trouble kind of raising money um, from that from that crowd and the the idea that he is like the continuity candidate the 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 let's you know just hold on and have like a real mayoral election next year kind of guy uh, kind of candidate uh, is fascinating to me endlessly fascinating. The interesting thing about that and Harold Love mentioned this to us when he was 
came by the office for, uh, and we, we spoke to him a little bit, is, you know, we were talking about the impact of this short campaign. And, you know, he was saying that he felt like it decreased Briley's advantage a little bit because you can only spend so much money in four weeks or whatever we're talking about, you know. You could be on TV with a commercial every day, I guess, if you have enough money. But at a certain point, it's, yeah. you know, th- it, there's diminishing returns. It, we're not talking about a year-long race where you have to kind of build support and introduce yourself to new people. This is just this sprint. And so, I mean, I still think it doesn't hurt to have money, but it is interesting that it decreases that a it, little it, bit. It's interesting for Bradley in the sense that, in the sense that uh, he's one of the few candidates who can build a ground game in a quick in a short period of time in part because he knows a lot of people and and has a little bit of infrastructure and you know he, he can he can he can ramp it up pretty quickly uh, and some of that takes money uh, you know any of these other candidates are just are relying on volunteers uh, to to go out and knock doors and to do you know kind of the the kind of the the, the groundwork that that you would see in a traditional campaign so there's there's some real, I mean there's a lot of radio kind of like low key that uh, ads that are kind of flying around because not not enough people have have enough money to get on TV. One person that we haven't really spoken much about yet because he kind of f- falls into an interesting category of his own is Jeff Carr, uh, kind of an outspoken uh, advisor and and spokesperson for the No Tax for Tracks group, um, anti big anti transit group. And uh, Steve, you wrote another piece about him because he kind of doesn't really fall in with these sort of, um, you know, the best known candidates, nor the people sort of vying for that conservative vote. He's kind of got his, his yeah, own lane I mean, here. I think the, I think the, our natural inclination was to, was to lump him in with the conservatives because he had been, he, he was the spokesperson for no tax for tracks with, where there's a lot of, there was a lot of conservative money. Fiscally conservative. Fiscally, con- fiscally conservative. Uh, David Fox, former mayoral candidate, is his campaign uh, treasurer, and so and and has said, you know, I believe in I believe in Jeff Carr and and kind of his fiscal conservatism, and he's the right person for the city, and so it becomes apparent, like when you when you start to interview Jeff, that. He he doesn't follow he doesn't fall into those kind of categories very easily. Um, you start talking to him about kind of what his priorities are, and he starts talking about kind of youth violence and affordable housing and a, a lot of issues that 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 traditionally Democrats have have kind of talked about. And Jeff's background is very interesting. You know, uh, he was a I think he was a student government president at TSU uh, back in like 1990. He was uh, he's run a theater company. He's done like summer programs for uh, for uh, youth. He's done he's done a bunch of stuff. And then he was like the spokesperson for for uh, no tax for tracks. Um, I, I think I, he may not have enough kind of time or name ID in an election like this. Uh, but he's a, he's an interesting sort of candidate. And he was actually thinking about running for for mayor next year. Um, and I asked him, I was like, why now? And he said, well, he said, I just come off the transit campaign um, and kind of doing that day in, day out. I talked to a lot of people. I heard a lot of support. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, the, uh, whatever the criticisms of no tax for tracks are, I mean, they did run a, 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 a successful campaign. And Jeff was kind of the, the, the tip of the spear on that. And so he was – I think he kind of sees this as a moment – where he he has enough sort of 
uh, name ID and uh, and energy around him that he can that he can pull together enough people and maybe get to, maybe get to a runoff. And that's what all these candidates are, are are doing is is they see Briley as the front runner, and it's like kind of what's your strategy to get to a runoff? Right. Um, and and uh, Stephen Elliott, one piece that you kind of put together that I thought was kind of an interesting ground to cover is like, well, where are these where are these other candidates that you know we may have expected to see that we may see in 2019 all of the other metro at large council <laughs> basically yeah yeah. Where, yeah where are these people are they sitting out to 2019 and you got some comment from some of them yeah um obviously this is an unusual election cycle um i think as soon as megan barry admitted to the affair with her security guard people started speculating on who would run for mayor in fact harold love registered his love for mayor domain name at some point in that area before she'd even resigned. Um, so people were considering it and you would see stories in the news that were like, here are five candidates who might run for mayor. And it's kind of the regular people you always hear about Bill Freeman who ran in 2015, David Fox who ran in 2015, um, various at large council members. Cooper's name, John Cooper's name comes up a lot. And John I think Cooper. he's been, hasn't exactly been shy about saying, I'm thinking about running for mayor next year. Yeah, he and and he's interesting because he told <coughs> me that he likely would have run regardless. So he would have run against a popular Megan Barry um, if none of this had happened. Um, so he's kind of a different figure because I think a lot of people would have most traditional candidates would have been scared off by her popularity. She she was above seventy percent and um, with her approval ratings, which is just astronomical. Even after um, the news about the affair came out, she was still above 60%. I don't even know that I have a 60% approval rating here in the, the scene office. <laughs> in the room, even. <laughs> uh, so she, I mean, if she had stuck around, she might have even scared people off still. But with, with her gone, it opens up this race that no one really f- foresaw. And so there are some people who will, you know, tell you that they're considering running in 19. They didn't run this special election for various reasons. Uh, One, John Ray Clemens, who's a state rep from Nashville, um, who's often mentioned in some of these discussions, he said that he didn't run in the special election because of the continuity argument that you mentioned that the Business Coalition made in favor of Briley. He thought it was too quick there was too much change at once, um, but he says he's seriously looking at a run in 19, um, and he'll likely make that decision before the end of this year. Um, and then other decisions were regarding just kind of the logistics of running a campaign in, in even four months, which is what it was supposed to be, and then the Supreme Court shortened that to six weeks, basically. So some people said, I can't raise the money for that, or I can't... Uh, accurately gauge the will of the people. And that's just kind of a high-minded thing that John Cooper told me is he he wants to talk to as many people as possible in the community, see what it is that they want uh, from the city. And and that would give him, I think his phrase was a more nuanced mandate than right now, six weeks, three weeks after we voted down transit, it's it's kind of like a reactionary vote uh, and your mandate, at least according to Cooper, is a, a kind of like a one-track mandate. Um, and, and so so th- to speak. <laughs> good. Yes, very yeah. good. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that, that's an interesting argument. And when you have a year and a half to, to talk to people, go to these forums, go to community meetings, you hear a, a, about a lot more than just this transit plan was good or bad. The other interesting thing that you get into in your, in your piece, I think, is you talk about how some folks, this, this election came up unexpectedly, and some people who might be interested in running, you know, this isn't a good time for them personally in their family life. It's, you know, they got young kids. It's not a good time in their business to put things on hold. And I, it just struck me because sometimes it's so easy to forget, you know, if you told me tomorrow I was going to be mayor, I, like that would that would be a lot of upheaval in my life. I think we've seen this with David Briley. I mean, it would be upheaval for the city to be clear too. It'd be a complete disaster. But we've seen this with David Briley. I mean, he's been pretty open about like, man, my life just changed a lot. You recently became eligible, in fact. That's true. I'm 30 years oh, old. 30 now. years so, old. Is you know, that? you didn't mention me in your story about <laughs> possible candidacy, but but so you I talk on the record. Yeah, <laughs> I love. I just but I just thought that was very interesting because you, it's easy to forget that. You know, we we talk about these people as sort of political figures and the strategy and are they going to run? But you know, they're going home at night and talking to their spouse, talking to their whatever. You know, and it, all that can sound cliche, but it is true. It's like, do I have the money to do this? Can I take off work? Can right. I? You know, even if even if they're pretty well off, they have to decide. Like, can I step away from my mm-hmm. business or whatever? I mean, someone like Bill Freeman has enough money that it's always assumed he could just do this thing, and that's probably true. But for yeah. a lot of other people it really does require some serious planning that you can't do just in reaction to a Supreme Court ruling. So there's two, there's two things here. One is um, everybody's, at least all of us have kind of heard of this power poll that, that uh, Bruce Doby does. Um, and it, it's interesting because his, his idea is he has like 700, he has this list of like 750 sort of like connected Nashvillians uh, and he pulls them on certain issues. The movers and shakers. Movers and shakers. He didn't uh, pull me. Well, you can d- work you can harder. Infer, <laughs> infer from that whatever you want to. Uh, so, so Doby has a power poll out in the field uh, right now. It'll close. Uh, it'll close at noon on Thursday. But I got him to give me the so, some sort of like early returns on it. Ah, because uh, because the last power poll before the transit vote was interesting in that it sort of nailed it and it sort of asked for a preference and then it asked for what do people think is going to happen. Um, do do I think transit is gonna is gonna pass or, or or fail? And most of that poll was pro transit, but thought it was gonna fail, and that's and that's inevitably what happened. So uh, the polls the polls will close on this uh, on Thursday at noon. So so some of these some of these numbers may change a little bit. Uh, if you want to see the results, uh, I'm sure uh, Bruce will. We'll have this publicized, and I'm sure the scene will will, will pick it up and pith it or or, or something. Um, but um, it's really interesting. Eighty three percent of his folks right now, it's about half of the field responding, uh, say that they are voting for Briley. Ninety five percent of those folks think he's going to place first. Um, and the the here's the, here's what's interesting: forty seven and a half percent right now think that there will not be a runoff. 52.5% think that there will. And I think that's I think that's pretty close. I mean, I think Briley is Briley is going to be perceived to be getting into the 40 to 50% range and I think that's that's a pretty sort of accurate perception of kind of where his where his strength is, which means that we now have what, 11 other candidates vying for 
you know, vying for half of the vote. So let's take a look at some of those other candidates. 12 here for other a candidates. There's 13 total. So, so, yeah, 12 other candidates. So I have a list of every single candidate here <laughs> and what they do. I also have a list of the Communist Party uh, presidential candidates for the last century. <laughs> and I'm going to throw out some well, names oh here to the uh, to the uh, Steves who are, other Steves who are. I assembled. might have to abstain because I did write the list of all 13 candidates. <laughs> because Patrick <laughs> is well versed on the Communist Party's activities. <laughs> I'm a car century, and so but, yeah. On, honestly, finding information on all 13 of these candidates, there were certain ones there. I was just good God. Um, but so, yeah, so, I, I so I'm going to give you. The, I'm going to give you the name of a person that we might not have talked about already. And I want you to tell me, are they a council person or a Communist Party candidate? <laughs> are you ready? I just want to, before we do this, because I may have to resign after this is done, <laughs> that it's been a real pleasure to work with all of you. So. Um, the first person I'm going to name is John Sewell. Oh, we know John. Yeah, John's a, a candidate. Although a... a uh, Actively fake candidate, a sat- satirical candidate, waiting people from voting. Yeah, for so him. if you see John Sewell's name on the ballot, folks, don't vote for him. He does not want you to vote yes. for him. His campaign actively. slogan is "Don't be a fool, don't vote for Sewell," which changed from his initial slogan, which was "Don't be a fool, vote for Sewell." He's a new member of the National Scene Common Commentary. Um, group, so we appreciate him reading. That's right. Yes, yeah. He's, yes. he's, he's, he's yeah. been in our pages many times before, but typically as the uh, drummer for a band called Party Cannon, uh, or as a cast well, member on um, Still actor. the King. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, David S. Highland. That's the that's the barber, right? Yes, and this is a guy who also has a. That's an impressive number of signs. Yeah. Um, for for being a relatively like you know, unknown candidate also had "Let's Go Preds" on his signs, which was is sort of salt in the wound now, but was was pretty smart at the time. And been perhaps illegal uh, if uh, <laughs> if you ask the if you ask the Preds. Well, uh, come on, who cares? that is uh, that is that is correct. Uh, I added the S. Sorry to uh, try to oh, deceive yeah. you. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> um, Charlene Hall. Mm. I think she's a Communist Party president. <laughs> That is correct. Actually, I'm, I'm putting two. I'm putting two candidates together. That's Charlene Mitchell, who ran in 1968, and Gus Hall, the longtime, the longtime uh, you communist. You threw me off with that that mix up there. I'm. Uh, a, I was unsure. I'll admit. I um, but I don't know. A combination of two past Communist Party candidates. Why shouldn't they be the mayor of Nashville? <laughs> Julia Clark Johnson. I'm going commie. I know for a fact that's wrong. I perused her website. With, oh, my. Uh, with I, Patrick. Uh, sorry, Julia. She is a, uh, how did we describe her? A self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed public servant. public servant in St. Right. Louis. I'm not quite sure a when former she. Teacher. Former, yes, teacher. former teacher. I'm not teacher. sure when she moved to Nashville, but she's running for mayor. And we couldn't quite confirm what her public service was. Some sort of bureaucratic thing in St. Louis, as far as we can tell. Yes. Her her photo on her website is just, it's a group shot that she has cropped just to herself. Yeah. <laughs> it's her official campaign photo. William Foster. What do you think? He's a communist. <laughs> <laughs> we got Joe McCarthy over here. <laughs> the Red Scare. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that Mr. Elliot? gentleman is running for mayor. I don't think he is either. I think he's also a communist. He is indeed a communist. He ran in 1924 and 1928. Benjamin, Good years. Good years. Benjamin Getlow was his... Uh, Vice presidential nominee. Oh. Huh. Um, 
Albert, you know. Albert Hackler. Mayoral candidate. Nashville yes. mayoral candidate. What, what's Although, his story? I believe it's Albert Hacker, not Hackler. Ooh. It is Albert Hacker. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh-huh. I've researched this man probably more than anyone um, else. If I if I recall, this guy is basically off the grid as far as we can tell. Yeah. Patrick is he's, that he's uh, maybe a consultant for a medical device company? I believe is which, what. Uh, which which raises the, which raises a question: If you're going to run for mayor, how much of a record do you have to have? How much of a digital footprint do you well do you need to you have? You have to ask if being off the record or off the grid is actually a, a something that will help him. Plus or minus? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's um, impressive. I, I yeah, think he has. He sa- he says he has experience in commercial real estate as well. Uh, I believe he told the Tennessean during one of their uh, candidate interviews, you know, that he was a, a a landlord, and there was a he had a a story to do with painting somebody's apartment as a form of you know like compromise. I don't know. It's a hell of a story though. Worth, yeah. worth reading. Uh, thanks, David Plazas, for those uh, for those questionnaires. <laughs> Thank God if we got um, all that. Ludi Wallace. Oh, uh, we know this yeah. one. Ludi, uh, as Stephen wrote about for us in covering this case about the mayoral election date, Ludi Wallace is, was sort of the, the candidate, the proclaimed candidate um, who enabled the lawsuit um, that, that got this mayoral date set in May, although now he tells Stephen that he's not running. Right, and as far as I can tell... He filed to run for mayor in order to have standing for this lawsuit. Yeah. And then pretty quickly after that, abandoned his campaign. He considered taking his name off the ballot, but didn't end up. He did, however, tell me that he's considering running in 2019. So Ludi, Ludi <laughs> Wallace, uh, for, for longtime observers of Metro politics, has one of the great slogans of all time. When he was on the council back in the 80s and 90s, the slogan was Ludi on duty. Uh and uh, I have been looking for pins or signs from Ludi's uh, from Ludi's previous tenure uh, in Metro government. If anybody has some, uh, send us a note to drop a note to a podcast at uh, NashvilleScene.com. Uh, we would love to to come take a picture uh, or maybe uh, borrow a uh, a button or a sign. Uh, these are these are classic pieces of Nashville political memorabilia. Ludi's also the local uh, NAACP chapter president. Right? President, yeah. chapter president. We should yep. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you guys did fairly well. You, uh, <laughs> we're smart. There, uh, there are a couple, a couple more there in the mix. That I don't think we named. Uh, you've got Jeff Napier, mechanic and limo driver. I don't think we named him. Okay. And uh, Carlin Alford, who is a uh, customer success and strategy director at a software company. She's also the head coach of minor league basketball team, the Middle Tennessee Storm. And it's a heat, so <laughs> there's that Carlin. <laughs> I said Carlin? Oh, I did. Well, there we go. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, uh, coach of minor league basketball team, the Middle Tennessee Storm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, early voting ends this week, and then, uh, and then May 24th. That's right. Polls are open. Election day. All right, thanks to all the Steves for joining me today. It's nearly nearly Steve Force 4. We'd have to get Goose in here to be all all of the Steves. Uh, but Feels like we should three say Steves. thank you in unison or something. But. <laughs> three Steves, no waiting. <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining thanks. us today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.